This episode of Little Bit Leave It is presented by Indude.com. Jobs you can hang with. Previously on Little Bit Leave It. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK, in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, my partner in podcasting and partner in life, Becca. I am proud to announce that I just got my second vaccination. There you go. I kicked the effects' ass. There you go. And I'm now going to Disney World, maskless, to breathe on people. Um. That's how I'm celebrating. No, really? No, what I'm really doing, honestly, people, this is true. I'm going to the dentist. I'm going to get a haircut. And I might go to Costco. I'm very excited. We don't even have a Costco membership. That's how crazy she's going. I'm going to Costco with my mom at 10 a.m. Woo! It's what you have to look forward to, kids. Yes. Actually, our demographic studies have shown that the majority of the people who listen to the show are around our age, believe it or not. Though there are a significant number of people who are a bit younger than us. Yeah, they count too, Ben. Of course they do. What's up, kids? So we're here to talk about Love Island UK. The sixth season specifically, we are recapping it episode by episode. We're up to episode 19 and... Yes, that is what is happening. Yeah, so we're... Are you okay? Are you like situated in place and time? Did you hit a wormhole? So we are now 19 episodes deep. And if you go to patreon.com slash little bit leave it, you will find all of our episodes, all of the bonus content and bonus episodes for just $2 a month. You get bonus content with every episode. This is the very, very last episode before our first episode with a guest. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, we're going to have Logan Cotton on our podcast as a guest. It will be very exciting because we are going to be talking about a very special episode, but we're not going to spoil it for those of you who have never seen the show and are watching for the first time along with listening to the podcast. We're not going to spoil what happens in the next episode. Yeah, because we were like, whoa! Yes, this was the first season we watched was season six. We had no idea about the show. We had no clue what we were in for. I was mad at the first episode because they said girls line up here and the boys are coming. And I was like, these are grown ass people. But yeah. Oh, my God, you guys. Next episode. It's all happening. It's all happening. No, I'm really excited to hear somebody else's perspective. Yeah, it'll be really fun to have somebody else on the podcast. But today it's just the two of us. Sorry. And we're going to do a deep dive into Inverness. Inverness is where Wallace is from, and Wallace kind of gets short shrift, as we see in this episode. He gets the short end of the stick. He gets the first pancake. He's barely in the villa for a week. Yeah. Yeah. He was better than I remembered, but he's still really boring. Yeah, he was better than I remembered, but I can see why he's gone. He made Connor with a G look like John Clark. That happens at the end of the episode. Let's start at the beginning of this episode where we are waking up with Wallace's best moment with Wallace's best moment. That's right. Yeah. He makes a joke about avocado on toast. Yeah. Rebecca didn't sleep well. Oh, this Rebecca never sleeps well, Rebecca. 
What's so interesting also is that the Islanders know that someone is going to be going home because they took that compatibility vote the previous night. Someone's going home, which usually leads to an awkward time around the villa because it's hard to look the people you voted off in the eye for a whole day, especially if they're people you're friends with. Yes. So Rebecca's cranky. Wallace strolls in from the doghouse, offers to make Rebecca some avocado toast. Everyone has a hearty laugh. And then we get into more Mike drama. So our first big conversation of the episode is a Luke conference. A conference of Lukes. A murder of Lukes. A gaggle of Lukes. A school of Lukes. A school of Lukes. M reveals that Jess tried to save Mike last night. Ooh, savage. She played Luke... Or she tried to play Luke, I should say, because he saw right through her and he wasn't having any of it. Luke M. thinks Mike is using Jess. Yep, I think Mike is using Jess. I agree with Luke M. Yeah, I want to disagree just for shits and giggles, but I can't. Mike is using her. He clearly is just playing the game. And speaking of games, Islanders kind of making up their own game briefly with an exercise ball. Yes, uh, beanbag volley football is what Ian called it. Beanbag volley football, but that game is interrupted by a text. I wish we saw more of that game. I mean, we were just talking about the scene in the first season where the girls go out and the guys build the castle. Oh, and they build the fort and then yeah. they uh, do the raid. Yeah. Yes, I wish we saw a little bit more of beanbag volley football. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But we got a text. And we did get a text, and it's a good text. It's a good text. What's that text say? We're going to play Snog Mary Pie. Aren't we a little old for that? No, never. Which usually happens later in the season, doesn't it? I think, yeah. Because obviously we all know that nothing will ever top Anton and Belle in season five. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of why it happens later in the season. Belle comes Belle in Belle comes in later, yeah. But before we even get to the game, Jess is having a conversation telling all the girls she wants to dump Luke M. Yeah, and she even says, regardless of Mike. I don't know if I believe her, though. Yeah. I think she sees right through Mike, but she can't help but be attracted to him anyway. And she's 20 years old. I get where she's coming from. I don't agree with her actions. It's not a good look on her, but I am very empathetic to the situation. The bottom line is she's young and dumb and she thinks Mike is really hot, right? Young and dumb and full of bad decisions. Young, dumb, and full of bad decisions. That's right. So Callum is the first guy to get going. Yeah, Callum was very disappointing. So he snogs Shauna. He barely snogs Shauna. It was like a cute peck. It was like a little cheekier than a peck, but it wasn't a good kiss. There was no snogging. Mm. Mary's Sophie. Yeah, that was a really cute speech he gave about how when the guys went to war, the best friend would marry the widow. Yeah, that was a little interesting in that Connor is kind of dead to us on the show. Well, he's out of sight, but not out of mind. Connor lives on in their hearts and in the tooth in their pocket. And as we have covered, his teeth haunt the villa. Yes, they sing to me in the night. And then he pies Rebecca. Because of the avocado toast. Because of, you know... Her being the worst Rebecca. So after Callum, we've got Finn. So he snogs Paige. Woo, it's a hot one. He marries Shauna. Which was cute because they're best friends and he's going to be seeing a lot of her. And he pies Shawnee's. Because she can take it. She couldn't take it though. She couldn't take it. She was not amused. <laughs> that was really funny. He's like, yeah. yeah, I picked her because she can take a joke. And she's like, I'm so pissed off with Finn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he thought Shawnee's could take a joke. Shawnee's has really grown on me, but taking jokes, I don't think, is 
part of her appeal. Then we've got Luke T and he kisses Shawnee's. Woo, another hot one. Mary's Demi. I didn't get that, but he didn't say why. So whatever. Good for her. In an alternate Love Island universe, I would love to see what happens if you put them together. Really? Yeah, I could see that. I think they'd just be laughing the whole time. And not like in a funny way, like in a cute, they're making each other laugh way, but just in a weird, is this a Twilight Zone way? And he pies Jess. For the love triangle. Yeah. And then we've got Nas, who snogs Demi, marries Sophie. That was cute. They're besties. And pies Shawnice. It was an epic pie for Shawnice for week one. And she had every crumb and every smear coming to her. Absolutely. But he still doesn't say her name right. Almost out of spite at this point. Yeah, possibly. he loved it. You know, he can't possibly know what it's like to have his name mispronounced. Of course not. Wallace snogs Jess. Completely out of left field. That took some balls. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought he did it to be funny, honestly. Yeah, I hope so, because it was funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. This is Wallace's greatest episode. Yeah, if you've made the greatest hits of Wallace Clip Show, it would just be this episode. No, I think you'd also have his explanation oh, of uh, squash. What does he call squash? Dilutin juice. Dilutin juice. Yeah, dilutin juice. Dilutin juice. And 20 eggs a week. 20 eggs a week. That's a lot of eggs every week. This guy, Wallace... I think when all is said and done at the end of the season, I think he's going to make the top 10 of my rankings. I think he's going to crack the top 10. Really? No. That's a joke. That's a bit. That's a bit, everyone. Don't worry. It's a bit. No. I mean, now that we're talking about it, he is just so funny in this episode. All right. right? Well, I'm picking Connor with a G as the best over the whole season. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Neither does yours. Anyway. So after Wallace kisses Jess, he marries Paige. Scott's. And he, of course, pies Rebecca. Rebecca. That's Rebecca's second pie now. And then we've got Luke M, who snogs Jess. Yeah, she wasn't into it. No, she was not. Marries Sophie. Yeah. Eh. And pies Shawnice. Because that's Luke T's girl and they're besties and he would never go there. And somehow his weak ass explanation managed to win Shawnice over. And she was all like, oh, that's the nicest reason. <laughs> yeah. 100%. She was actually happy to be pied by Luke M. Which yeah, she was funny. happy that a really hot guy stuck a pie in her face and was like, I will never, ever, ever be into you. When you put it like that. Awesome. Then we've got Mike who snogs Jess. That one was hot and everybody just like... I wish I could verbally describe the motion. All the air was let out of the room. Everyone was like, oh, it's going to be this shit. Yep. And then he marries Demi. Which is weird. And pies Shauna. So Shanice got three pies. The pies apparently smelled like cheese and tasted like asshole. Arsehole. In case anyone was wondering. But then it is the girl's turn. Whew. Rebecca goes first. Whew. She snogs Luke T. She is the worst. And considering something that she says later in the episode, this makes me so much madder. This was so wrong. And I'm making very angry hand movements right now that you can't see, but just know I am angry. She's very angry. What is it that she said later in the episode that makes this so much worse? Well, I'll tell you later in the episode. No, tell us now. Come on. I'll tell you when we get there because it doesn't become relevant until we get there. Okay. Keep us all in suspense. You're going to be disappointed now. Yeah, now we'll be disappointed. She marries Luke M. Whatevs. And then she 
Pies Wallace. And she was unnecessarily mean about it. Yes. Like, be a little fun mean. I'm fine with that. I patented fun mean, but she was just mean mean. She's just a mean person. Then Demi goes, she snogs Nas and... It was a good one. Yeah. Hey, now. Marries Mike. All right, whatever. And Pies Callum. Oh, because she was the only girl who came in and didn't go after him. So he was okay with it. Then it is Sophie's turn, and she gives Mike a little peck on the cheek. Yeah, it was sweet. I think she's pretty much given up. I think she knows her time is coming. And then she marries Nas and pies Callum. First, not so successfully. And then she comes back with a second pie. And that was very funny. I've also become a bigger Sophie fan as her run closes out. I didn't realize how much longer she was on after Connor left. It's only been about, what, five or six episodes at the most. It feels like nine years. Back to the show. Shauna kisses Callum. It was a nice one. And it made me even angrier that he gave her such a shitty kiss. I guess being the first one, you don't know how hard people are going to go in. But Shauna, like, gave it to him. And then she marries Luke M. And pies Mike. Yes, the saga is over. Or the saga continues. We shall see. Paige is up and she snogs Finn. Pucker up, big boy! Which is where we got the title of the episode. And she even says, I don't know why I said that. What was I thinking? But it was perfect. Pucker up, big boy. He's a big, handsome bastard. I think that came out Irish. Sorry. He's a big, handsome bastard. And she marries Wallace, fellow Scott, and she pies Luke T. I don't know why she did that. Yeah, I don't really get that one either. And then Shawnice... Gives Nas a little peck on the cheek. And then she goes to Mary. Drum roll, please. Luke T. Yeah, she gave him a cute little speech. Mary, she took it. She did the Anton move. Yeah, I was the hard eyes emoji at that point. Hard eyes emoji, hard eyes emoji, hard eyes emoji. Kiss. Send. Very good circle reference there. Oh, did I say Shawnee's pies Wallace? Why does she pie Wallace? Because she pied him off uh, oh, after that's the right. first date. That's, that's why. right. Yeah. So anyway, then we have got the moment of truth where Jess has to pick who she's going to snog. And if you have been watching this season, you know how this is going to go. There's only one way it can go. Yes. And it goes that way. It goes that way. She snogs Mike. And Luke M is Pissed, but not surprised. Not surprised at all. He knew. And then she marries Luke M. It adds insult to injury. I mean, she publicly friend zones him, but he does tell her we might get divorced the same day. Yeah, that was a good little crack. And then she pies Luke T. Because he was also in a triangle and it isn't fair of him to throw stones. I think it is very fair to throw stones for Jess being really dishonest. I don't think it's fair to throw stones for just being in a triangle. I think he was doing the former, not the latter, because she is leading both Luke M and Mike on for a while. She basically was keeping Luke M around while she was debating whether or not she wanted to get back with Mike, which is really different than Luke T with Rebecca and Shawnice. Okay, but that would have been a lot worse in the real world. In Love Island, there's nothing else to do but stick around in your couple unless it's horrible. And she did break it off with him. 
I mean, this was not the way to do it, but they do break it off. I'm just saying like... Well, later in the episode, yeah. they break it off. But at this point, they haven't broken it off. And she has been leading him on for a week at this point. I'm just saying it's different on the inside and the outside. I'm not saying it's better. Oh, of course. But I think her behavior is not the same as Luke's behavior. And then after all of he this... He let Rebecca on. I mean, for 12 hours, maybe, didn't tell her that he was going to be going with Shawnice, which is really different than day after day telling somebody that you're interested in them and you want to pursue things with them when you actually don't. That's a different thing. I guess we'll never know. It is. She's been lying to him for days. And then she turns around and tells Shawnice that Luke T hugged Rebecca cuddled with her in bed when they were sharing a bed. Yeah, I don't know if she was bored or just trying to act out her feelings. But trying she- to distract from the drama that she just created at the challenge, maybe? I don't know. Not impossible. Not impossible. Shift the focus off of her behavior. Yeah, so she quote-unquote accidentally spills that Rebecca and Luke T were cuddling in bed. And then she asks Rebecca for confirmation. First of all, if I'm Shawnee, I don't trust Rebecca like worth a minute. And I know that Jess and Rebecca are friends. I've seen Jess and Shawnee together, but I would not trust Rebecca at all. So Shawnee is pissed. Shawnee is pissed because Luke T and Rebecca snuggled in bed when they were coupled up and we- he didn't tell her. But the timeline is all kind of messed up, too, because there's some confusion about whether he spooned her before he kissed Shawnee's or after. And Rebecca and Luke T seem to agree that any spooning happened before Luke T ever told Shawnee's that he was actually now into her and kissed her. Rebecca implies to Shawnee's that they were spooning even after he kissed Shawnee's and that they were pretty much together. And then she takes that back. A minute later, later when Luke T is now in the conversation as well. She says, oh, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. I meant the first night. Right. And he has no memory of anything. And he's just feeling trapped between these two powerful women arguing over something he did that really was not that big of a deal. Yeah. Although, honestly, if they had spooned after he'd kissed Shawnee's, I wouldn't be surprised. But whatever. Right. They both even say that he actually told her that night that he was now going to be pursuing Shawnice. And then they actually made up after he told her that. And they had that difficult conversation. They made up. You know, Rebecca says, oh, he put his arm around me to comfort me or whatever. So who knows? It all sounds very innocent. It doesn't sound like a big deal. Shawnice actually, in her defense, she calms down. Shawnice is actually quite adult about things. She's quite mature. She reacts to stupid things. But when she hears words that are true and reasonable, Shawnice can usually get herself back on the handle. So speaking of maturity. And lack thereof. We have some compare and contrast. We've got Luke M and Jess. One of these two handles the situation fairly maturely. The other one is lying and gaslighting and backpedaling and contradicting themselves over and over. We'll let you decide which one's which. No, I'm just kidding. There's only one answer. Luke M is so baffled by her naivete and stupidity and... I like that, stupidity. Yeah, and ballsiness. She's just lying to him barefaced. She's not listening. And he I think he's just stunned almost at how one-sided this conversation is. 
Yeah. I love how she tries to play it off. And he says, look, I chose to snog you. And she's like, well, I chose you too. I chose to marry you. She tries to talk her way out of it. Luke calls her muggy twice, which she deserves. She's very muggy. On Love Island, that's big. You do not want to be muggy. And then I also love how Jess then kind of rushes ahead to try to finish the conversation and says, oh, let's call it off then. When obviously this whole thing is in leading up to Luke saying, I don't want anything to do with you. And she tries to, of course, claim the first shot and be the dumper instead of the dumpy. And then she... Well, she is the dumper. She dumped Luke the second she kissed Mike. Well, what's so ridiculous about this conversation is at first she's trying to keep Luke around. She's trying to tell him, oh, no, I still am into you at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, I don't know what she was thinking. (laughs) That's what's so crazy. I agree with you that by kissing Mike, she, in effect, was dumping Luke M there. And he was just kind of formalizing it by pulling her. I mean, he deserved to get his 10 cents in. Oh, yeah. He deserved his day in kangaroo court. Yeah, and even after then she tries to call it off, she then tries to make some other excuse for her behavior. But my favorite is when then she accuses him of being fake and phony around her and with his feelings, which is just a classic case of projection. That's what I saw, too. She's a psychology student. Yeah. So she knows. She knows how to do all of them. She knows how to do all of the manipulating behaviors. Of course, right after this conversation, she walks over to Callum and Shauna and Sophie and tries to make it out like she just dumped Luke and, oh, I feel so sorry for him, but I just had to do it. But she doesn't get to chat for too long because, of course, who pulls her? Oh, God. It was so predictable. It was so oily. So oily. Mike. That's it. Mike is oily. Mike is oily. And sometimes it's good oily, but mostly it's not and right after this sophie finds out how mike is kind of oily right yeah. and callum tells sophie and shauna that he said he was interested in sophie yeah and the, you know when they had that conversation we both thought that sophie was shooting him down when mike went to go flirt with her a few episodes ago right but she didn't even register It's funny because I think Mike also interpreted it as her shooting him down. Yeah. Well, that's why that was part of it was that was a context clue, right? Yeah. Mike backed off immediately. So we were like, oh, okay, whatever she said, I guess in British ease, she said, tell me more. Hmm. Tell me more. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I also thought this conversation between Jess and Mike is hilarious. Yeah. Jess is realizing that she made a huge mistake, like sound of silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. As Mike tells her that he would leave if she left. Yeah. She is... He would leave the villa if she got kicked out. I I just can't believe. She is so taken aback. That's serious, Mike. I didn't think we were there. He is such a bullshitter. She doesn't like him that much. Factor 50 thick. And then the weirdest thing happens. The weirdest thing that happens on the whole half of the season so far, because we're pretty much midway through. Right. At 29.58 or 29.59, I swear on all that is holy that you can hear a baby cry. Yeah, for about a second or two seconds, you hear a baby crying. We went back, we played it like three or four times. It wasn't our kid. It was really weird. 
So listen to it and let us know what you think it is. Is it some type of animal in South Africa? Like some type of bird, maybe? It's possible, but it sounded like a baby crying. We'll have to Google the famous crying baby birds of South Africa. So you thought that Beck was going to say something actually pertaining to the substance or the drama of the show about the weirdest thing that ever happens in the first half of the season. But no, it was that bird or animal or baby. There should not be any babies there at this point. No. At any point. No, not at any point. This is a baby-free zone. Yeah, even the babies are not real on Love Island. Although it would be funny if someone got someone else pregnant on Love Island. I guess. I mean, I guess we wouldn't know. Probably not. I mean, maybe. You never know. If it served the narrative of a couple's arc, then we would definitely find out. Ooh, or what if it was someone who slept with several different people, and then you could have an episode where they reveal the DNA results? Well, that's, that's Who's the British much. Maury? Like Jeremy Kyle. He's canceled though. Was he canceled with a capital C or with a lowercase C? I don't even know who he is. Capital C. Oh, he did something bad. Yeah. So Mike and Jess are talking still. I got distracted by the baby crying. Jess says she's into him. Jess mildly says she's into him. Mike completely loses his cool and gets all blushy and stammery. Yep. Then he... Thwap! He sticks one on her. Yes, they snog. It they, wasn't as good as the surprise kiss, but... Yes, not as good as the surprise kiss earlier in the day, but they snog and... Woo, 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 all Islanders report to the fire pit. Three couples are safe. Four are at risk. We know who they are. The Islanders find out. And then two of those couples, Shonice and Luke T and Jess and Luke M, kind of surprisingly are saved by the public. Yeah, well, they were saved before they imploded. Lucky for them. Well, they were already kind of on the outs during the voting. It was eroding. But I think Jess is really lucky that the voting happened before this episode because she is just awful in this episode. Yeah, although to be fair, Rebecca has been awful her whole time and she's on the chopping block too. Yeah, that is not surprising at all. The one that I thought was surprising, Mike and Sophie being down at the bottom. I don't know if it was people being angry with Mike for dumping Leanne or people just generally didn't like Sophie or maybe it's just British racism. I don't know. No, it's that they're a friendship couple. Or it could be a friendship couple. But I, I think friendship couples, when the individuals are liked, they still do really well. Yeah, but we have better options. You know, really, Jess and Luke M are a better option? Really? All right. Was I was actually a little surprised that Jess and Luke M were saved. Well, when you put it that way, yeah, I do think that it was probably a scoop of racism, a dash of not liking Sophie, and a whole lot of not liking Mike. Yeah, I think that's probably a good, well, not a good recipe, but the correct recipe. Yes, it's not a good recipe. Don't be racist. So... The Islanders now have to choose who leaves. One Islander per at-risk couple will be dumped on the chopping block. Mike and Sophie, Rebecca and Wallace, one from each of those couples is going to go. Each couple gets one vote per couple at risk. What did you think about the deliberations? Well, of course Jess is friends with Rebecca because they're the worst. And so Rebecca's getting saved by her. Demi says F Mike. Demi is completely over Mike. Why do people want to save Rebecca? I have no idea why people want to save Rebecca. But again, yeah, Jess just tries to railroad Luke M again. I mean, she succeeds here. 
he just lets her have her way. We knew they were going to save Mike and Rebecca when it got to them. But before it got to them, it's Paige and Finn. They save Mike and Rebecca. Yeah, that was messed up. Why are they- I get why people are saving Mike over Sophie. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But I think the Rebecca thing is basically that the guys like Wallace. And I actually was surprised that Paige did not pick Wallace. I guess Me she too. must be friends with Rebecca. Ew. Yeah. Shawnice and Luke T pick Mike and Wallace. Well, the guys are friends with Rebecca. Yeah, the guys actually are friends with Rebecca. You're right. So maybe Finn might have even picked Rebecca. I think Rebecca is friends with the guys. And a lot of girl chat scenes, she's not there. You're absolutely right. And she is with the guys a lot. Shauna and Callum pick Sophie and Wallace. That was not a shocker. No, it was very surprising that they picked Sophie. She's been trying to get rid of Sophie for weeks. When Sophie made it through the last time, she told Sophie how many times that she should have gone home. So for her to choose to save Sophie was very surprising. Here's what I think. I think she owed them. Who owed who? Shauna owed Callum and Sophie. Yeah, that is exactly right. And I would say it's combined with the fact that Shauna is probably the best game player that we have in the villa. Especially knowing what we know, that she was purely a game player. I don't mean that negatively. She's really, really good at the game. She is. Well, she's smart. I think she knew that Mike was going to be staying and that everybody would probably pick to dump Sophie because Sophie so clearly is not pursuing anybody and not interested in anybody. Yeah, she had to get brownie points back in front of the whole villa, honestly. Yeah. That one made her look really bad. Yeah. Rightfully so. And then, of course, we covered Jess and Luke M picking Mike and Rebecca. And the final vote comes down to Demi and Nas. Now, again, Mike being picked here, not a surprise. Rebecca being picked. I don't know. I guess Nas is friends with her, too. I know. I know they are a little friendly, but I don't know. You said something really interesting as we were watching this. I did? Yes. Do you remember what it was? No. You actually questioned whether or not this vote may have been pushed in a certain direction toward Rebecca and away from Wallace, maybe by the producers. I said that? Yeah. When we were watching it, you said that if they kept Wallace, it really would mess up the balance of the show with what we know is happening next. Oh, yeah. Now I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think that as we've been saying, I happen to really like Wallace, but I will also admit that he's just not that great TV. His moments have been few and far between. Well, not that far between because he's only been on for five days. Yeah, that's true. But Rebecca is the better character. So Mike and Rebecca stay and we say goodbye to Sophie and Wallace. Mostly Sophie and a little bit of Wallace. Oh, yeah. They were really upset to see Sophie go, and rightfully so. They all were really close with her. Shauna and Sophie have a really cute conversation. Shauna apologizes again in a very genuine way. They hug. It sounds like they really bury the hatchet. And the whole house is throwing this goodbye. I don't want to say party. And then they were like, oh, and bye, Wallace. Imagine being poor Wallace. Yeah, exactly. Poor Wallace. Poor Wallace. We're not up to the rankings yet, but in my notes, the rankings are right after the end of this episode. And I have to say, looking at these rankings again, I can't abide by them any longer. After this discussion that we've had, I know we made them right after watching the episode, but I cannot abide these rankings. No, we decided upon them together. You don't let me change them. I am protesting I'm filing an official protest against the rankings this episode. You know what? I've done that. And you know where it got me? 
Nowhere. It got me nowhere. It got me right here. <laughs> got me right here. So your protests don't mean doodly squat. I'm going to release my alternate rankings. You do that. I'm so glad that you have time to worry about stuff like that. All right. That just about does it, right? Next episode, something happens. Something happens in the next episode. I don't know what. I do know what you should do right now. Go to patreon.com slash little bit leave it and support this podcast. For $2 a month, you will get bonus content with every single episode. And for $5 a month, you get bonus episodes and a Discord server where we hang out and we'll chat with you about Love Island and other reality TV shows because that's what we do. Is it time to move out of mom's basement? Indude.com is the number one website for chill jobs, like working at a weed dispensary or a video game store. If they might ask you to take a drug test, cut your hair, or remove your piercings, you won't find them on Indude.com, man. We only list cool jobs. Awesome! Current listings include mini golf attendant, bowling alley cashier, and arcade manager. Sweet! Apply now for summer lifeguard positions. And if you act quick, you might snag a job at one of the country's last remaining video rental stores. The only catch is you'll have to move to Montana. No way! So the next time someone tells you to get a job, you can be all like, I'm in, dude. Indude.com. Jobs you can hang with. So today we are going to make up for the terrible goodbye that Wallace gets in this episode. This season has two whole Scottish cast members and we have not talked about Scotland yet at all. And so with half of this season's Scottish cast now leaving the show, we thought it was only right, especially given that we have devoted two separate deep dives to Wales. We certainly don't want our Scottish listeners to feel left out. We did start to touch on some Scottish history when we mentioned the very last Jacobite uprising that was centered in Newcastle on our last deep dive. And in an amazing effort to maintain continuity in our podcast, or just a coincidence, you decide, we're going to turn to the location of the very first Jacobite uprising, which occurred in 1689, Inverness, Scotland, the home of one Wallace Wilson. Never in my life did I think I'd be so entertained by the Jacobites. The Jacobites are very entertaining. They sound like a good snack. Next episode will be sponsored by Jacobites. So Wallace lives in Inverness. It is the 12th or 13th largest city in Scotland, roughly. And it does not even have 50,000 people. So for reference, Inverness is smaller than Trenton, New Jersey, White Plains, New York, and Stamford, Connecticut. Tri-State! Yes, shout out to the Tri-State area. Yet this little city has produced an amazing amount of history, and with apologies to our listeners in Trenton, White Plains, and Stamford, it is actually much more interesting than any of those places. First, Inverness is very close to the ancestral home of the historical Macbeth. Shakespeare put Macbeth's castle in Inverness, but it was actually a little bit to the east. In the High Middle Ages, Inverness was basically the capital of Scotland, and that's around the time Macbeth was king, and the most powerful clans all lived in the Inverness area. Coronations took place south 
at Scone, which is not even in the Highlands region. Inverness is, by the way, the largest city in the Highlands. And if you're a Scotch drinker, you might be familiar with the names of the regions of Scotland. Highlands, Scotch, that's the kind of Scotch that I like. Macallan, not as peaty. Anyway, after the Norman conquest of England, which is like 1066, roughly, and the gradual sublimation through war and marriage of the older Anglo-Saxons and Celtic kingdoms that created the unified England and eventually the unified British Isles, Gaelic culture in Inverness waned in influence among the upper classes. So Malcolm III killed Macbeth and supposedly built Castle Inverness. So this would have been in the 11th century. He married Anglo-Saxon royalty, and his kids, though, they were raised in England because in wars, they would capture each other's kids and raise each other's kids, the kings and queens and stuff like that. Very weird. Well, if you don't like yours and your neighbor's got a better one, all's fair in love and war, right? When it comes to kids, it's kind of both. I guess that's true. These kids were raised in England in the Norman royal courts, and the Normans were kind of French. Is that the historical, like, description? Normans, kind of French. Yeah, I guess they are French, really. Yeah. But, like, today we would think of them as English because it was, like, a thousand years ago. I mean, us as Americans, right? I consider myself American. Three of my grandparents were not born in the United States. So it's a little different perspective. So for me, the Normans are English because 1066 is a long time ago. But back then, they were French. We. Oui. We. Oui. Malcolm's kids ruled Scotland for like 60 years because he had a lot of kids and Gaelic culture began to really become subsumed into larger British culture. But that process took a long time, basically 650 years to really permeate throughout all of Scotland. The further north you were in Scotland, the more Gaelic it was. And Inverness is pretty far north. In fact, by the late 19th century, there were still places near Inverness where people didn't even speak English. But in Inverness, most people were probably bilingual at that point. But London, though, they did not like people being bilingual. So wait, London as in like the... The crown, the parliament, they did not like the fact that there were a bunch of people under their rule who were still preserving their old culture. Yeah, they tended to do that, didn't they? Is, yeah. Isn't this about when they stamped out Welsh too? Yeah, around that time, yeah. So they prevented Gaelic from being taught in schools. And by the mid 20th century, very few Scottish people spoke Gaelic anymore. About 5% of people in Inverness speak Gaelic today, but they're like those people who speak Cornish. And by the way, see our season six, episode four, deep dive for more on Cornwall and that Cornish movement. These are Scots who are actually reviving the Gaelic language. <laughs> Hipsters. They're so, hipsters. You know that they're hipsters. Or maybe they're nerds. And the overlap on there is pretty big. So why is Inverness one of the centers for the revival of Gaelic culture, you ask? Why is Inverness one of the centers for the revival of Gaelic culture? Well, it's not all that surprising when you know that it's the home of one of the most prestigious solo bagpiping competitions known as the Northern Meeting. How important is bagpiping to Inverness? Well, the coat that bagpipers wear in bad weather is called the Inverness Cape. And you've actually probably seen an Inverness Cape, though you probably haven't worn one, I'm guessing. The most famous wearer of this coat is Sherlock Holmes, the fictional detective. The Inverness Cape is basically an overcoat with no sleeves, but with a cape attached to it. 
and the cape falls over your arms instead of sleeves. I think I should get one of these. Yeah, let's just go get some Inverness capes. And it works really well, the Inverness cape, if you're wearing a kilt. Because kilts don't have pockets, and it's easier to get into your sporin if you don't have any sleeves on. Allegedly. Yeah, it is. You gotta roll up your sleeves if you're gonna get in my sporin. Do you know what a sporin is? Yeah, I do. What is it? It's a fanny pack. Yeah, it is. But it's a fanny pack. Oh, yeah. So apologies to our English listeners. We know there are some of you out there. Fanny pack is not a dirty term in the United States. Well, unless you're uh, sitting here playing wink, wink, nudge, nudge, so is your mother. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, isn't it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Bob's your uncle? (laughs) I don't know. How's your mother? I don't know. So a sporin is a small satchel that's like a large pocket or a small purse. And you tie it around your waist. You attach it to a belt. You stick it right in front of your groin. Let's just call it a sporin and leave it at that. Of course, bagpipes and kilts and all that are Gaelic. And the Northern Meeting is one of the many Highland Games events in Scotland and other countries with large Scottish communities. When Scotland regained its independence from the English back in 1306 under the leadership of Robert Bruce, so this is when they got independent from those Norman kings, it was the Lowlands and not the Highlands that became the seat of power in Scotland because Clan Bruce was not a Highlands clan. But those Highlands clans up in Inverness, they continued to be kind of independent for another hundred years and finally... King James I of Scotland rounded up a bunch of clan leaders and arrested them and had some of them killed. And of course, that put an end to all the violence and hostilities. Or actually, no, it didn't. If you've seen Game of Thrones, you know how this works. The cycle continues for another 300 years. Fast forward, the Scots continued to fight among themselves, which brings us to the first Jacobite uprising in 1689. I promised you Jacobites, and Jacobites you shall have. We covered the last Jacobite uprising on our last episode, but to refresh your memory, the Jacobites were loyal to King James II of England, James VII of Scotland, and the Catholic Stuarts, and they were against the new King William III of Orange. And this was part of a larger English civil war where Jacobites were also fighting the crown in Ireland. Inverness was besieged by one Jacobite army, and then rescued somehow by another branch of the Jacobite army, who forced Inverness to declare loyalty to the Stuarts. The Jacobites used the castle and the barracks as a fort in the later uprising in 1715, and then three miles east of Inverness is where the final battle between the Jacobites and the crown actually took place in 1746. They really hung on there, huh? They really were not letting it go. No, there was like the grandson or something of the last yeah. last one who was still fighting wars. They do not let that stuff go, which makes sense when you think about how much power is really at stake. True, true. And how if you've got a guy in there, then you're safe from whatever nonsense is going to arise. So there is, by the way, some noble in Bavaria who today would be the Jacobite heir to the English throne. Do you think he knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows. But they just gave up. Yeah. No, it's hundreds of years ago. They're not looking to do that at this point. I don't think they're looking to make that challenge. And if you head up to Inverness for a visit, 
I'd suggest going either in August when the Tartan Heart Music Festival takes place. The Tartan Heart? Is that after the rural juror? Or going in September for the aforementioned Northern Meeting, especially if you're a bagpipe fan. Sounds like a mob thing. Hey, and also, be sure to tell them Wallace sent you. I think it's time for your favorite segment, Beck. All right, it's the TNA report. The TNA report. We've got quite a few tonight. Big thumbs down to Shauna's ripped crop denim jacket. The hem was uneven. I didn't get it. And Shawnice's ripped up baggy white denim jacket. I guess we see what's in style because multiple people wear it at once. So that's Shauna's jean jacket that's got the puffy shoulders. Yeah. That thing is awful. Hated it. I did like Rebecca's sparkly dress at night. I did too. The neckline was interesting. I've got some notes about Shawnice. The first one is I love her sunglasses. That day, these those big rectangular sunglasses, I think, are really, really cool. I am not so much a fan of her camo skirt that night, though. No, I hate camo. Though I actually liked Nas's camo jacket. I don't remember either of those things. Well. I guess they blended into the background and I didn't see them. But um bum Sophie's white poofy blazer dress. I hate it. I loved it. I hate it. I loved it. I don't get Sophie's clothes. I thought that dress was so cool with the big lapels. Kind of looked like she was wearing a trench coat. Very, very cool dress. Hate it. I was a fan. It's high fashion. You wouldn't understand. Listen, Target shirt and Target socks. Which one of us went to New York Fashion Week last year? In 2020? 2019, I guess. Two years ago. Yeah. You know what I meant. The last time they had a New York fashion show. All right. Good for you. One time I went to the Food and Wine Festival, but it doesn't make me a cook. It makes me a drunk, but it doesn't make me a cook. In addition to all of that, I want to give Mike a little bit of props for that brown shirt. I thought that I was really cool. I hated it. I thought it was a cool shirt. Oh, it was so ugly. Why? The color? I thought the color was gorgeous brown color. I really liked it. But the thing I probably did not like the most was Wallace's shirt at night. It looked like a prison uniform or something from one of those old timey movies. Black and white striped shirt he was wearing. It was really bad. I guess I just blocked it out. Wasn't I really tired when we were watching this? I don't know. You're always really tired. Depression. You too can be tired all the time with nothing to show for it. (laughs) Nothing to show for it except... A notebook full of notes on a TV show. At least the notebook's getting used for its true purpose. Yes. I feel like its destiny is being fulfilled. And what could make a notebook happier? I know one thing that could make the notebook happier. Smart stuff being written in it? I think the notebook wants us to... Rank! The... Couples! As I said, I am filing an official protest over these rankings. I do not agree with them. Okay, so I'll lead then. You can deliver them. These are your rankings, not mine. Okay, never mind that we have the same thing down because we did these together in the top spot. It's not an honor. We're not pleased, but they won the episode. Their actions were the driving force of the plot. They got what they wanted and they didn't care who they left behind. Jess and Mike had the best episode for themselves. 
as a podcast, we have to take strong moral stands sometimes. And I understand why we put them at the top. They did win the episode in the sense of they got their way. They get me so angry as we were talking about it again. I just, I hate them. I want them at the bottom this episode. Yeah, I want their bottoms too, but... No, no, I want them at the bottom of our list. Okay, well, their bottoms are definitely on my list, but... Jess and Mike win the episode. Plus, nobody else really did anything like so major to cause that much of a reaction to get the top spot. So in second place. My alternate number one is Wallace, by the way. Okay. That's Wallace fine. wins the episode. Fine. In real second place, we've got that famous threesome, Shauna and Sophie and Callum, one last time, riding out on Connor's teeth tails. Off they go. That actually is the same on the alternate rankings this episode. Number three, Paige and Finn. They titled the episode. They had a couple good kisses. All is well in Hot Miss Piggy and the Puppy Man Land. Alternate number three rank is Luke M. No, we're not doing this. It's confusing and annoying. Number four, Wallace. He did have his best episode, but too little too late. Fourth is still pretty good considering what's beneath him. So anyway, Jess and Mike, Shauna, Sophie, Callum, Paige and Finn, Wallace. Number five is Luke M, who has taken all the shit thrown at him by Jess and by Mike. And he's taken it like a champ. He should also be, I think, higher up for all those reasons. Well, there's only so many spots, okay? Next time, we'll just make them all one big couple at number one, and then nobody will be left out. They'll all get a participation trophy, and everyone will be happy. Oh, you would do that for me? No! Number six would be Shawnice and Luke T. She's bugging over nothing. He goes into freeze mode. It was an annoying little bump in the plot that didn't need to be there. And truthfully... If we hadn't forgotten to rank the next couple, we probably would not have Luke T and Shawnee's even at number six this episode. No, we forgot to rank Nas and Demi. So they're in seventh because we forgot about them. They actually did a much better job than Shawnee's and Luke T. They just did not have a ton this episode compared to some of these other couples. So they kind of faded to the background. Of course, Nas's camo jacket being partially responsible for that. And in the sub-sub-basement. Oh, the only place for her. The swamp monster. The one, the only. The wicked witch of Newcastle. The worst Rebecca. She is so awful. I'm gonna stick a booger in her avocados. Oh. Okay, well, folks. That was a rough ride, but we did it. We got through it, and it was worth it to get through this first half of season six, because the next episode, if you haven't seen it yet, you're gonna go nuts, and we can't wait to tell you all about it and talk about it with Logan. Yeah, next time on Little Bit Leave It, me, Ben, Logan, the thing that happens. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter, LB. L-I podcast. L-B-L-I Peng, like Peng sort. You can like us on Facebook and listen to the podcast through Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Mostly it's just t-shirts. Mostly it's just t-shirts because we have Love Island t-shirts. 
Also, make sure you stop by www.patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit. $2 a month you get to keep listening to this podcast. We are going to be talking about Curtis's stand-up. Yeah, we promised it a couple episodes ago, but it is going to happen. We're just trying to find the right viewing schedule. We're going to talk about what happens next. Yeah, we talk about what happens next, the Love Island after shows. If you don't know, it's on YouTube. Ian Sterling did it last summer when he was bored there's cast reunions for all six seasons and we are going to tell you our thoughts but only if you give us money yeah only if you pay us two dollars a month for basically an extra half of a podcast attached to every single episode that's one less shitty deli coffee that's half a starbucks just get a smaller cup at starbucks one time a month send us two dollars and you can listen to the next train wreck And for just $5 a month, you get the bonus episodes. That's where we really go deep, do research, or just spend a lot of time talking about all six seasons of Love Island and obsessing over character arcs and the construction of the narratives. And also March Madness happened. Yes, March Madness happened too. So from Staten Island to Love Island, get your hand out of my sporin'.